Chapter 25 Of these mysterious initiates, now become numerous, bold, conspiring, all was born. Jesuitism, magnetism, Martinism, philosopher's stone, somnambulism, eclecticism. C.L. Cadet-Gassicourt, Le Tombeau de Jacques de Molay, Paris, Dizaine, 1797, page 91. The letter upset me, not that I was afraid of being tracked down by De Angelis, we were in different hemispheres, after all, but for less definable reasons. At the time I thought I was upset because a world I had left behind had bounced back at me, but today I realized that what bothered me was yet another strand of resemblance, the suspicion of an analogy. I was annoyed, too, at having to deal with Belbo again, Belbo and his eternal guilty conscience. I decided not to mention the letter to Amparo. A reassuring second letter arrived from Belbo two days later. The story of the psychic had had a reasonable ending. A police informer reported that the girl's lover had been involved in a settling of scores over a drug shipment, which he had sold retail instead of delivering it to the honest wholesaler who had already paid. They frowned on that sort of behavior in those circles, and he vanished to save his neck. Obviously, he took the woman with him. Rummaging, then, among the newspapers left in their apartment, De Angelis found some magazines on the order of Picatrix, with a series of articles heavily underlined in red. One was about the treasure of the Templars, another about Rosicrucians who lived in a castle, cave, or some damn place where Post Centum Viginti Anos Patebo was written, and they called themselves the Thirty-Six Invisibles. So for De Angelis it was all clear. The psychic, consuming the same sort of literature that the colonel had, regurgitated it when she was in a trance. The matter was closed, passed on to the narcotics squad. Belbo's letter exuded relief. De Angelis's explanation seemed the most economical. The other evening in the periscope I told myself that the facts might have been quite different. Granted, the psychic quoted something she had heard from Ardenti, but it was something her magazines never mentioned, something no one was supposed to know. Whoever had got rid of the colonel was in the Picatrix group, and this someone noticed that Belbo was about to question the psychic, so he eliminated her. To throw the investigators off the track, he also eliminated her lover, then instructed a police informer to say that the couple had fled. Simple enough, if there was really a plan. But how could there have been, since we invented the plan ourselves? and only much later was it possible for reality not only to catch up with fiction but actually to precede it, or rather to rush ahead of it and repair the damage that it would cause. At the time, though, in Brazil, these were not my thoughts on receiving Belbo's second letter. Instead, I felt once more that something was resembling something else. I had been thinking about my trip to Bahia and had spent an afternoon visiting bookstores and shops that sold cult objects places I had ignored till then. I went to out-of-the-way little emporiums crammed with statues and idols. I purchased perfumadors of Yemenha, pungently scented mystical smokesticks, incense, Swedish spray cans labeled Sacred Heart of Jesus, cheap amulets. I also found many books, some for devotees, others for people studying devotees, a mixture of exorcism manuals like Como adivinar a futuro nabola de cristal, and anthropology textbooks, and a monograph on the Rosicrucians. Suddenly it all seemed to come together, satanic and Moorish rites in the Temple of Jerusalem, African witchcraft for the sub-proletarians of the Brazilian Northeast, the message of Provins with its hundred and twenty years, and the hundred and twenty years of the Rosicrucians. 
I felt like a walking blender mixing strange concoctions of different liquors. Or maybe I had caused some kind of short circuit, tripping over a vari-colored tangle of wires that had been entwining themselves for a long, long time. I bought the book on the Rosicrucians, thinking that if I spent a few hours in these bookstores I would meet at least a dozen Colonel Ardentes and brainwashed psychics. I went home and officially informed Amparo that the world was full of unnatural characters. She promised me solace, and we ended the day naturally. That was late 1975. I decided to put resemblances aside and concentrate on my work. After all, I was supposed to be teaching Italian culture, not the Rosicrucians. I devoted myself to Renaissance philosophers, and I discovered that the men of secular modernity, once they had emerged from the darkness of the Middle Ages, had found nothing better to do than devote themselves to Kabbalah and magic. After two years spent with Neoplatonists who chanted formulas designed to convince nature to do things she had no intention of doing, I received news from Italy. After two years spent with Neoplatonists who chanted formulas designed to convince nature to do things she had no intention of doing, I received news from Italy. It seems my old classmates, or some of them at least, were now shooting people who didn't agree with them to convince the stubborn to do things they had no intention of doing. I couldn't understand it. Now part of the Third World, I made up my mind to visit Bahia. I set off with a history of Renaissance culture and the book on the Rosicrucians, which had remained on a shelf, its pages uncut. <laughs>